0: Hello, my darling pop culture junkies. Happy Thursday. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I am your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop culture. Hello my darlings it's been a minute i have uh, i have missed you i i forgot i didn't have a podcast last week because i did have a podcast it just wasn't this one and if you didn't hear it please go back we'll put it in the show notes but i was a guest on my nemesis no i just joke on kara swisher's podcast Kara Swisher's podcast. I say that. I'm like, I can't believe I was actually on it. But I was on On with Kara Swisher with the amazing Franklin Leonard and Matt Bellany talking about Hollywood, Barbie, Barbenheimer. Obviously, Franklin and Matt were coming at it from a business. They're very, very intelligent journalists and former Uh, executive Franklin was. So they, they just have a deep knowledge and understanding of the industry. I was coming from it, from the memes, Uh, you know, got to keep it a little light here and there, but really talking about it from a cultural perspective and gave a little bit of my insights Into what we were seeing on the socials and so forth. I will say the topic that I brought up that I'm bummed about that got edited. um, I'm not bummed that I brought it up, but I'm bummed that it got edited was this topic around how people are consuming content right now. Um, So much to talk about this week. So I'm going to get to all of that. But the thing I wanted to point out that was edited from on, and I'm bummed because it's so interesting to me, is the fact that the guys behind Quibi, you remember that company, sweet, sweet Quibi, the company that failed before it ever really launched. And that was a company founded by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. And we laughed. We all laughed. We thought it was a preposterous notion. They did raise unbelievable amount of money. I would say their narrative was probably wrong in how they presented the story classic mistakes in terms of, it's not just about the money, it's about, you know, it needed to sort of come out more naturally organically. But their premise at Quibi was that it would make short form content that people would watch in snippets on their phone, waiting for a subway, so forth and so on. You'd be watching a show, you'd watch it in two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. And they'd make this short form content as opposed to these, you know, what we're now considering, accustomed to in terms of watching stuff on Netflix or whatnot. Now, obviously short form content is not new. We have YouTube, we have lots of these things, but what I have found that is so interesting. And if you're on TikTok, you've inevitably seen it, is that people are watching clips of TV shows and movies up on TikTok. And what that means is if you all of a sudden are scrolling, you might come across an episode in the middle of an episode, a three minute clip of House or Grey's Anatomy or... Law & Order SVU or a movie that you haven't even seen or heard of, or a show you haven't heard of, something that's from Apple. It could be today, present, right now, happening. Manifest is another one that's quite popular. There's so many. And creators realize that they get clicks. They put up just zero context, just a two, three minute clip of this show. And you come across it in the midst of it. Like you don't, there's no beginning, middle, or end. You sort of have come into it in the middle of the sort of river and you watch. It And then you might get consumed. You watch the whole thing. Then you go to this person's page to go see the next one. And people follow these shows. Some of them don't even know what they are. Grey's Anatomy, you read the comments and people are like, what show is this? Like, tell me more. And it's just so wild to me. But the fact is you see hundreds of thousands of views on these videos. So people are watching content out of order, out of sequence and they getting pulled in and they're not going to their TV and watching it. They're sitting there at their office on the subway in bed, just scrolling through two, three minutes of content of these shows, not even starting at the beginning. They'll just go from where they watch it and then they'll start watching, or they might not go to it again, but it'll get fed the next video at some point because they've already watched it and the algorithm knows. So wildly, my thesis is Quibi was correct. They just unfortunately executed incorrectly. But the premise of watching short form content in these sort of snippets that consume you and bring you in and bring people into these shows and movies is is real. What's interesting is that they are bringing a new audience to sort of legacy shows or shows that have been on network television, for example, but people don't watch network TV. So it's, it's wild to me. That's my little rant. If you go listen to on with Kara Swisher from last week, just know that was a conversation that got edited. I was sad. Kara was sad, but you know, the editors, as David can attest, who's looking at me right now, they rule the roost. We have no say. We just talk editors edit. I am a terrible editor, but I am here, I've missed you, I didn't talk to you last week about all the things that I saw and did. I have been all over the world since I last spoke to you. I think the last time I spoke to you, I was in the Hamptons, maybe I was in London, I can't even recall, I've been in London. Uh, the highlights of London, I think I talked about was the Wimbledon finals, male fi- the final men's match. And that was incredible. And then the other thing that I did that was truly, just so extraordinary was I got to see a friend of mine star in a play in the West End. And there's a reason that it was incredible, not just because it's my friend and not just because it's this incredible place to have a play in the West End, which to me is more significant than Broadway. It's just got this aura to it, but the play was incredible. It's incredible. This was The Pillow Man. It is starring Lily Allen. This is not the original play. I mean, it was, it was already done. This is a a revival, I guess you could say, but the The nature of this play, the thinking behind the storyline, I did not expect to laugh. It is a very dark play set in sort of a, a totalitarian state and really just four main characters with some side characters. And really the premise is about child murder, a serial killer of children and then trauma and horrible murders and horrible torture. And yet funny. In a dark. It's very gallows humor. It's incredible. Lily Allen is incredible. And Lily Allen, for those of you who don't know, is already a very accomplished human, a singer, a pop star, has seen the world and back, has captivated uh, so many of us with her music. She was known as the Queen of Glastonbury. Uh, she has many a famous song. Some of them you may be ultra familiar with, like, fuck you, fuck you, very, very much. She's so talented. She was not a trained actor. She uh, has a brother who's an actor, accomplished actor, but she got into acting only very recently. And in her first foray into it was nominated for an Olivier, which is like a Tony award, but I think even more prestigious because everything in England is more prestigious. But if you, my point of this is, first of all, Anybody can be anything they want at whatever age. If you decide you want to try something new, go and do it. If you are a pop star and you want to try something new, go and do it. If you are an accountant and you want to try your hand at writing a novel, go and do it. I am a big believer as somebody who's forty-nine years old and I'm trying all these new things, whether it's writing or podcasting. I will spare everybody from my singing because that is a disaster. Um, But if you want to be a chef, go do it. There is nothing. Stopping us. This is the world is our oyster. We live in a world where anything is possible, and age is such a different thing now. And I want to I want to get into that. Um, but my other point about that is, if you're in London or planning on being London, I think you have like five weeks left to see this performance. Run to the West End, and this theater is so. It's so civilized in London. I mean, in New York, when you go see a play, I still dress up. I still dress up if I'm going to see a play off-Broadway or on-Broadway. I am dressed up. I would wear a dress, a skirt, nice outfit. I do not wear flip-flops and T-shirts to theater. In New York, people do. And they show up with their like sippy cups that they serve at the theater with like their wine or their soda, their Twizzlers, their peanut m ms like they're at a freaking movie. And that is just not the way it's done on the West end. But what they do serve in this particular theater is you can buy a bottle of champagne, rosé champagne too. You can buy regular Veuve Clicquot or rosé Veuve Cliquot, and they give you the bottle and two glasses, glasses, actual glasses. And the bottle is in a little like ice cooler thing and you bring it to your seats and the trust that they have in the audience, because in America, that shit would get crazy. People would be dropping glasses, rolling glasses, clinking glasses, knocking over the bottle. In London, people don't behave that way. People are incredibly civilized. There were so many people drinking champagne and not a clink was heard. Nobody's cell phone went off. Nobody took a call. Nobody was on a cell phone. People were drinking their champagne, laughing at child murder. It was very very sophisticated um, and just so well done. And Lily is a triumph and um, it's really amazing to see my friends reinvent themselves and, and be so good at it and just taking that risk. It's so incredible. I mean, it's so incredible. But I'm all on the girl power journey. So for those of you who follow me in social media or read the newsletter, know that right now I, my entire personality is Taylor Swift. I mean my entire personality and not that I wasn't a Swifty. I love her music. I probably listened to a lot of it on the background, but what is something that's so interesting about me? And I don't know if any of you guys have this, but I can't, it's like, I know there was a theme. There's something that the kids are talking about called time blindness. And like the, the new thing on TikTok is this sort of girl who is really upset that a job wasn't accounting for her fact that she's time blind. She can't get to work on time because she has time blindness. Like no such thing as watches or alarm clocks. So the collective TikTok community last week or two weeks ago is sort of going raging about this generation's viewpoint that like being. Unable to be on time is a disability. My blindness is name blindness. I can't remember names, but also I can't. I have no idea songs or albums. I dated a musician. I lived in this person's world and essence for years. I was a fan of his music. His albums were famous. I lived there. I could literally go through and catalog his albums and try to memorize the name of the albums and the songs, but no, I have no recollection. If somebody says to me like, what album is losing your religion on? I couldn't fucking tell you if my life depended on it. Now that's that, is that because I'm, I didn't care? Of course I cared. I love all of the songs that R.E.M. ever made. I cannot recall names of albums. And I generally can't remember names of songs, iconic songs that like are embedded in our brain, like losing my religion or losing your religion. See, I don't even fully know if I know that correct, correct, but I, I can't recollect names of albums and I can't put songs and albums together. It's just, it's, it's completely impossible for me to retain. So when people are asking me what era I was, which is in terms of which album that Taylor Swift has had, because her catalog is so vast. When you think about this 33 year old woman, the amount of content she has written, just two albums alone during lockdown, um, which you know, makes her quite an underachiever. <laughs> it's, it's preposterous, but these kids and the people that I was with, including Kara Swisher and Kara Swisher's wife, Amanda Katz, and my bestie Brit Morgan Sachs, these women who are incredibly accomplished, very busy, have gazillion children between the three of them. They knew every album the name, every song that was on the album, they know the chronology of the albums. And I'm the one like, I have nothing. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what fucking era I am. So I went like in all the eras. I don't know. I tried to research. I couldn't get my my brain around it. And we get to this concert And I have to say from the very get-go, like it's such a difference. As a rock and roll girl, I went to so many rock shows. I have been around the world. I have traveled with bands. I have traveled as a regular person to these shows. There's always sort of an energy. There's always sort of like a, you know, the bigger the concert and the venue, there's frustration, there's parking, the people are rude at the venues, there's pushing, there's none of that happened at T-Swift, nothing. The parking lot attendants were wearing their friendship bracelets and were so helpful. The people at the security, I had all of the tickets. Thank you so much, Ticketmaster. I had all of the tickets on my phone. And even though they were announcing, like each person needs to hold their own ticket, the guy at the security check-in was like, oh no, don't you worry. It's so much easier for us if it's just on one phone, held my phone, scanned us in. Everybody was high-fiving. The security people were like, enjoy the show. Do you want to trade a bracelet? It was just the most incredible thing. It was all, the crowds were Intense. I have, I mean, for somebody, I don't like standing in lines. It's like my thing. I just don't like lines. But here it was just everybody was so delightful. Everybody's outfits were so spectacular and sparkly. And and it was interesting because Britt has two daughters that are 12 and 13, and you see some of these kids wearing what I would say is sort of provocative. They're wearing like little leotards and they're wearing, but it wasn't in a sexualized way. And I was like, how do you feel about that? When your daughters go to Taylor Swift, which they're going to this week, how do you feel about them? And she's like, you know, in this environment, it doesn't mean it's not like they're going and it's a bunch of, they're going because of boys. They're going to, pay homage to Taylor and they're wearing these like sequence dresses or the leotards and all the different, again, eras that she's in. And some people are in costumes. Some people are in outfits. Everybody, everybody brought something. And when we got to our seats, which were incredible, we were surrounded by people with their moms or dads, which I thought was so great. And these little girls next to us, they knew every single word of every single song, every single person screaming and, you know, one of the things that we knew going into the concert was that Seattle, which had happened a few days earlier, had so much noise at their concert that it registered on the like Richter scale type of things as a 2.3 earthquake. That's how loud, that's how crazy that stadium got, that they were able to actually move the earth. They were actually able to move the earth in a way that, you know, I don't think anybody's ever seen before. I guess there was some sports thing that they say it happened with, but... Needless to say, this is a bunch of 12-year-old girls and their moms and dads. But another thing, I say 12-year-old girls, it's actually not true. It was incredibly multi-generational. Never have I seen anything like it. Like I I talked about in the newsletter, I love Madonna. I would have killed to see Madonna as a 12 or 13-year-old. There's no chance my parents were taking me or letting me go see a Madonna show, Papa Don't Preach, all of that stuff. Hell no. They were not, she was not somebody purposely, by the way, that, parents were going to support their children in terms of loving. That was sort of the rebellion. I was raised with this idea of being a rebel was the way to go. Going and combat, being combative against your parents' beliefs. And in this generation, it's all inclusive. It's about include, including you and your family and inclusivity about others, all shapes and sizes, all ages, all races. It was just, you know, yes, will I admit it was a lot of white girls? I'm not going to lie, but there was still much more diversity than I would see in other concerts that I have gone to, to be clear. So there's that. And then the sheer Olympian nature of. This woman and her dancers' performance. I don't understand. We knew going in it was going to be three hours. It went three and a half hours. She really connects with the audience, so it's not all down to a minute program. She has a conversation with the audience, depending on where she is, the reaction she's getting. She talks about Santa Clara. She personalizes it. You literally feel like you're sitting in her bedroom eating pizza with her. Uh, She talks to you like she's talking to her friend. It's she's incredible intelligent. And you just feel like you're seeing something, even though you know generally what the set list is going to be. She has surprise songs in the acoustic version. She does three and a half hours at this venue. That was the second night at Santa Clara. We heard she went 30 minutes over curfew the first night. She did it again the second night. And curfew means that a venue has a set time, that it has to... Close up. And if you go beyond that, you pay a fine. You not only pay a fine to the venue and whoever owns the venue, but you also then have to pay overtime for all of the people that are working there. And obviously, they have a lot of money, but she was about communicating with the fans and giving them the most incredible experience 45 songs. There were 45 songs in our, in our set, like it's preposterous. And I've had some people say like, yeah, it's just like, you know, the Grateful Dead did three and a half hours. And I was like, dude, no offense, but the Grateful Dead, <laughs> whether it was Jerry Garcia's Grateful Dead or the Dead in Co, there are a bunch of dudes just stand there at the mic on the stage and they sing and they jam and they, you know, they're not moving around. This woman must have four miles in her. The stage itself is half the stadium, the length, and then goes down the middle of the stadium and she's up and down and up and down and constantly moving. There's no, you know, sitting there and just jamming for 20 minutes. She is literally moving around. Maybe she's at the piano for a song or two, but beyond that it is moving. It is choreographed. They're crazy costume changes that take 30 seconds. The set is unbelievable. The dancers are having a blast. I've just never experienced anything like it. And this is just sort of right on the heels of Barbie. This is also, there's this Beyonce tour that is just growing and growing and finally coming to the US. And I have to say, as a woman, I of course we have incredible female artists and we've had incredible movies in the past about uh, the strength of women. And this is nothing new, but yet it is new. It is new. It's it's something I can't quite put my finger on. I know that Mark Marin talked about Barbie on his podcast and I haven't heard it yet, but he also talked about it on his TikTok and listen to a little bit of what he said about Barbie.
1: I saw Barbie and I thought it was a fucking masterpiece. And like, I don't throw that word around lightly, but I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't even that excited about going. It's like, it does a fairly amazing thing to create a sort of broad-based entertainment product that applies to the entire spectrum, I think primarily of women, and then just seep it in progressive politics and basic feminism in a way that's funny, informative, and well-executed in a context that is completely engaging. Is fucking monumental. I just never seen anything like it. And I guess that's, you know, the world is having the same experience on all different levels. And the comedy about men is inspired. And the fact that certain men took offense to the point where they, you know, tried to build a grift around it in terms of their narrative as right wing is so embarrassing for them. Any dude that can't take those hits in that movie They've really got to look in their pants and decide what they're made of. I mean, Jesus Christ, what a bunch of fucking insecure babies.
0: So he's right. It's the most incredible film in that it does so many things all at once. And it doesn't alienate except for the sensitive little pathetic men like Ben Shapiro and Piers Morgan, who, as he rightly says, they need to look in their pants and see what they're made of because clearly they are just little... Children who can't tolerate the fact that women might actually have power. It is the story as old as time that men are fearful of women. Women have power. Women give birth. Women bring life into this world. Women can handle pain better. Women can handle spite fullness better generally, not all, but a lot of us. And it's, you know, culturally across the board has been something men have feared. And we're in a moment in time where this is, it's, it's not necessarily changing for those men, but the women are like, okay, we gotcha. We're going to, we're going to take it up a bit, whether it's Taylor and whether it's Beyonce, whether it's Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, or the Ryan Goslings of the world who, you know, there's quite a bit of talk about how much attention he's getting about this film. It's not, it's not Ken. This is a Barbie movie and yet people are talking about Ryan Gosling, but I'm going to take a a flip approach to it. Ryan Gosling as a movie star is, you know, if you ask previous movie stars, we want you to star in a movie. You're not the headline. You're not the first name. Your name isn't even in the title. This is, you're not the main character. You're going to be sort of made fun of and, kind of a buffoon in some of it. And you are going to be a caricature in some ways. And not a lot of men would say, no, thank you. Pass, 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 pass. You know, their agents are negotiating top billing. Ryan Gosling, girl, dad, like go Eva Mendez, because you have... Helped partner with somebody who clearly sees the female perspective beautifully. And he brought it and like props to him. He's changing the way the world is seeing things because of just his mere participation in it. People are talking about him because he got a really catchy song. He's great in it. He is great. Margot Robbie is great. Issa Rae is great. Like every single person in that movie is great. But to be fair, Ryan Gosling has a catchy song. And that song has literally haunted me. I wake up to singing, I'm just Ken. I can't help it. I don't know everything. And now there's these trends on TikTok where people are saying like, cause his job in Barbie was beach. Uh, just beach. And so people are now using TikToks to put up like, this is my boyfriend. His job is office. This is my boyfriend. His job is road because he works in construction, whatever. It's just, it's really, really funny. And then another trend that's come out that's sparked by Ken, but I still, I love it because women are making it their own. He was wearing a sweatshirt that's gone viral. Uh, it's sold out, Warner Brothers, and I'm sure lots and lots of dupes have been made, but it's sold out. You can pre-order it on the, on the, uh, not Warner Brothers, sorry, Mattel was selling it and it's sold out, but they have a pre-order and it's this tie-dyed, hoodie, which is so cool. And it says Kenuff, like I am enough, but with the K in front of it. And so now there are, people are taking that and turning it into like, I'm Gwenuff, like for Gwyneth Paltrow or another Gwen, or I am hen. I, they're just incorporating another terminology for enough using the canof euphemism, if that makes sense. I don't know if I used euphemism correctly. I can't really speak eloquently sometimes if you guys haven't noticed. I also mentioned I don't have a guest. This is the summer. We're just gonna play me talking to you until we get out of this sort of summer series when I can have a little bit more focus and planning, which is what we're just gonna call it come September ish timeframe. But This is it. This is what I'm at. I think everybody listening to this, man or woman, if you haven't seen Barbie, go see this movie. You will enjoy it. You will have some sort of impression of it, I have to believe, if you're listening to this podcast. If you haven't seen Taylor Swift, I know these tickets are hard. I know. I know. But there's so many opportunities. You have a year and build a holiday around it. She's going to be playing in Central America, uh, Mexico, Central America, South America, I think, Asia Pacific. That whole area, Australia, and then Europe next summer. I'm telling you guys, it is worth it. And I have to say, worth the ticket price. I mean, the people who buy on secondary, and secondary is a problem, I have to say. People always yell at Ticketmaster. Yes, full disclosure, I work with Live Nation and Ticketmaster, but I work with them because I'm a big, absolute believer of what they do. The complexities of putting on shows. And then the ticket side of it on a global level, when you think about millions of tickets a day, like it's crazy. It's not just Taylor Swift. Think about all of the different things that they're involved with, ticketing in general, not just Ticketmaster, all ticketing. It is an incredibly complex business, but ticket prices are set, despite what you may think you know, is not set by Ticketmaster. Ticket prices are set by the venues and by the artists. That's how it's done. And the, you know, and then Ticketmaster gets a percentage and it's generally all out there. And yes, there's been criticism about fees and all of that. Um, And everything needs to be more transparent. And that's what everybody's working on. But the fact is that when a ticket is sold via a ticketing platform like Ticketmaster, The people getting the money, it goes to the artist. Now, obviously the venue gets some of that. Management gets some of that. There are all these, you know, and then Ticketmaster will, but the majority of it, and that's why the prices are set by the artist and the venues. It's really complex. So then the problem is you get these whether it's people or bots going up and buying all the tickets the minute they can, and then trying to make a profit. We've always seen it. We had scalpers back in the day, go to a concert, somebody's out there. It's not just somebody's parents, you know, bought an extra ticket and now you can sell it. It's real people did it on purpose to make money. I bought this ticket for $20. I'm going to sell it for $40. I make a $20 profit, simple economics, but on scale, this has become massive. And when you have a huge in-demand concert and limited tickets, you can set the price for whatever the fuck you want to set the price for it. Right? So you then go to these secondary places like a stub hub, and you're seeing tickets on there that were being sold by Ticketmaster, say for 250 being sold on StubHub for $6,000. I mean, it is insane, and people will pay it. But you know who doesn't get the money from those tickets is the artist or the venue. That goes right into the hands of whoever sold, bought that ticket, and is now selling it for a massive profit. There's a lot of misunderstanding there, Um, but people are spending. I knew people who bought $20,000 worth of tickets to this, to this concert. And I'm not going to lie. I would rather that money go into the hands of Taylor and the people that put the show on, but the money is worth it because the, you just get three and a half hours of pure entertainment. You are on your feet. I was sore. My legs were sore for two days. I had to take Advil. I stood up from Gracie Abrams, who is remarkable to Haim, who is remarkable to Taylor and the gang of unbelievable dancers. I was on my feet from 630 until the minute I got into that car, which wasn't until 1230. So six hours screaming, dancing, crying. And was Swisher, I got to say props to that lady for all that she does. She was right there with us dancing, screaming, trading bracelets. It was, it was, it was just such a thing to see. We had so much fun. So the girl power is pretty much on a high right now. Uh, but much to the dismay of the Ben Shapiros, it's not going anywhere. So you have, uh, Taylor Swift's, uh, tour looking to bring in a billion dollars. Uh, some people are saying it's, you know, helped us not have a recession. Barbie movie, to the point of the podcast last week that I was on, so the movie businesses not saved Hollywood theaters. This is still underperforming, but this is going to be on track to be a billion dollar movie. If not, I mean way more. That's just, this is the third week it's been open. People are still dressing up in pink. I went to see it again for the second time. And in the audience was mixed of people who hadn't seen it and people who had, people are singing the song. It is, It is unbelievable the legs that these things have and movie studios are paying attention. And as I wrote in the newsletter, like all the businesses need to pay attention, the movie business, the music business, the tech business, the financial business, and yes, the politics business. And that's what Washington is. Never shall you forget. It is a business. And they need to start paying attention that this is, this is a moment. It's not just women. It's generational. Um, as we, as we head into another unfortunate presidential election, this stuff is going to play out really importantly, women's rights. This is just, it's all related. It's all related. And pop culture right now is at the forefront of this. And I, I mean this with every fiber of my being, if Taylor Swift wanted to impact an election, I'm pretty sure she could. If Taylor Swift wanted to run for office, I'm pretty sure she would win if Taylor Swift wanted to start a church or a cult, I would actually happily join. And I'm not uh, a believer of, of churches or cults. It happens, but, uh, the cults of Taylor Swift, I sort of would, I mean, if it means we get to sit around and make friendship bracelets and talk about uh, our feelings and, and write really prolifically and eat pizza, then I am in that cult for sure. So that's really it. That's all I'm here to rant about. Uh, If you haven't seen Barbie, like I said, get out, go go see all the concerts, go see Beyonce. She's finally in the US. I can't wait. And all of the other things that are coming our way, just go and have those experiences. Go see Lily Allen star in The Pillow Man. Do it all. There's just so much. There's just, what a a beautiful moment we are living in. I know there's lots of negative, but I choose to look at the positive and the real change and like what, this is not a bunch of screaming girls throwing their panties at a boy band. This is entirely different. This is not sexualized. This is every single word that Taylor Swift has written. And she writes a lot of words is known by these children. I know everything, every album, the sequence of the albums. It's unbelievable. I, I am in awe. I am in awe. And lastly, the only viral thing I really care about right now, other than, you know, what we just talked about. And sadly we did, we had some losses. I don't normally talk about it, but, um, as I published the newsletter yesterday, it was announced that Paul Rubens, AKA Pee Wee Herman died, um, tragically from a very, uh, uh, I guess a long and secret battle of cancer. Um, I grew up Pee Wee's Playhouse, so a very, very important, Character in my life and our lives, and um, a testament to him and all that he did. We obviously had Sinead O'Connor, and we also found out that the rising star, the really talented young man, Angus Cloud, from uh, known from Euphoria, who looked uh, to me, I kept thinking it was the reincarnation of Mac Miller, if you recall him. Unfortunately. Um, seemingly allegedly has died the same way Mac Miller died, which was of ev- maybe likely an overdose. Um, but he was grieving the loss of his dad who had passed away the week before. And, you know, it's just, you guys, whether... Loss is a crazy thing. As somebody who has had too much of it in my, in her life, and I've had it when I was quite young, you never get over loss. You just start, you just learn to live with it. It just sort of moves into your body. You don't, it's, there's no getting over it. And so it can come in waves. Somebody can grieve 20 years later in the same way that it, as if it just happened. And that could be a friend, that could be a loved one, that could be a pet. So just um, have empathy for anybody in your world that is dealing with loss or illness or anything like that, because it can impact people in ways that you're not really sure of. Um, and everybody's different, but the other viral thing that everybody's talking about right now, which is, uh, is still unclear. Is there, is a bear in the zoo. Have you seen this, David, this bear in the zoo, this Chinese bear, we'll put a link to it in the notes that doesn't seem to be a bear. And there's lots of accusations that it's a, a person in a bear suit. I mean, it looks sort of like a bear. It looks like a really weirdly shaped bear, but the bear stands on its hind legs. And it looks like, it looks like the bear is wearing pants, like it wrinkles, like where they like, and the bear waves and it's just shaped weird. And the bear is just constantly standing on its hind legs, waving at people. I think it's, it's some weird Chinese costume to try to get, You know, attention and people to come to the zoo. But uh, you tell us what you think when you see the bear. If you, if you, not the show, though that is also highly recommended, but fake bear, man bear, Chinese bear, whatever this is, I'd like you to let me know. So let's close this out. Mary, mute, make out. I guess I always do it in the wrong order. Make out, make out, make out, make out. Make out, I would make out with all. And I mean, every single one of Taylor Swift's dancers, their personalities, their talent, they were having so much fun. Like I kept thinking like, what are they gonna do after the show? Like, do they all hang out? Like, are they all best friends? Do they all like live in a house together? Like, what do they do? What's their whole story? They were so incredible. It felt like you were watching besties, like just lean on each other, the teammanship, teammanship, is that a word? Team, yeah, the teammanship. The way they worked together, the way they leaned on one another and and let others shine, it was really remarkable. I would make out with every single one of them on the regular, and I don't think it should be a surprise of who I'd marry. I would marry Taylor Swift. I would marry Taylor Swift's mom. I just want to be in that like that world, not about the money. Though I am fascinated with everything. Like, did Taylor Swift have a house when she was in Santa Clara? Was she staying in somebody famous's house, like a rich person's house? Did she? stay in a hotel? What, what hotel would she stay at? There's no nice hotels in Santa Clara. Did she rent out all of the Rosewood? Like, what is the whole thing? We were all thinking about like, what is Taylor Swift doing now? My prediction, if you're in the music business, my prediction was it was her last night in Santa Clara. She did a runner, meaning that before I was even out of the stadium, that girl was in a car on her way to the plane that was going to take her to LA where her cats were. And she was going to sleep in her own bed. That's my prediction. She has multiple homes, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but Anyway, I would marry Taylor Swift. I would marry Taylor Swift's mom, who, by the way, comes out. She goes to every show apparently. And the screaming, we thought there was like, Taylor Swift was on the floor before the show started because all of a sudden people are going crazy. And then there was her mom and her mom was being taken by security and she stops and waves and signs things and gives bracelets. And it's like, this is such a, such a lovely thing. I mean, what a lovely thing to see and to witness and what a thing it is for moms and daughters. And I'd say that for Barbie as well. And I'd say that for Beyonce who has her daughter singing or dancing as a performer. Blue Ivy is a performer in the, in the concerts, so at least was during Europe. I don't know if she's going to do it when school starts, but unbelievable. This is like mother daughter moments and makes me miss my mom a lot. My mom would have loved to have seen this. Um, and then mute. I'm just going to mute all the people who can't handle this sort of girl power. And it's like, they immediately say it's feminism, which sure, but feminism, how is that a dirty word? But because they're scared, because they're scared of their power and manhood. But all the men and some of those crazy women, like Matt Gates's Child Bride, which we've talked about here, those people who are out there, bemoaning the fact that Barbie is what Barbie is or bemoaning the fact of any of the, the sort of female empowerment stuff. You're muted. You're unimportant. You are literally irrelevant. So that is it, my darlings. This is episode 61. Like where's the time going? I will see you next week. We are in August. So it is flying by. Enjoy these last moments of summer and talk to you soon. Pop culture.